0: Are you a single believer looking for the love of your life?
1: Or are you a married believer looking to grow the love you already have? If you like practical advice based on the Word of God with real life examples, you're in the right place. I'm Cindy and I'm Wayne. Welcome Welcome to to Love Love with the the lines. Lines.
0: Welcome to Love with the Lines. I'm Cindy. And I'm Wayne. And this is episode 54.
1: Wow. Yes, 54. Crazy.
0: Mm -hmm. So last week we started a review of the classic work by Dr. Gary Chapman called The Five Love Languages. We went over his introduction and covered the first love language, which is words of affirmation. So this week we're going to do our best to cover the second and third love languages in the time we have and then we'll follow up with the fourth and fifth one next week so this week we're going to talk about quality time and receiving gifts and we're going to keep with the same scripture that we had so wayne if you want to share that
1: yep so the scripture we used last week and this week is first corinthians 13 verses 4 to 7 this is taken out of the nlt um, love is patient and kind love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude it does not demand its own way, it is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, it is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's perfect for this. So, you
1: know?
0: Second love language uh, that Dr. Chapman talks about in the theory that he developed is quality time. And his example is that if we give our spouse 20 minutes on the couch, just not doing anything else, just sitting on the couch, having a conversation, that that's 20 minutes of our life that we can't get back. But it's 20 minutes of life that we spent together, intentionally together. And you mean like
1: no interruptions? No
0: interruptions. Not
1: not being on my cell phone while you're talking to me. No. Like, no, like, no. Like paying attention.
0: Yep. Paying attention, no fubbing. Remember, we, no did an, fubbing. we did an episode on fubbing. No, no, looking at your phone while you're engaged in a conversation.
1: Looking deep into each other's eyes.
0: <laughs> uh huh. If, if you want, <laughs> yes, we could do that. Uh huh. But it's it, this is talking about quality togetherness, and and it's not talking about proximity. Right. Because we can be in the room in our recliners with our laptops in our lap. That is not any kind of intentional. But we'll be spending
1: spending time together, but we're not spending time together. No,
0: we're not. Yes, we're not. We're in the same room together. Yeah. But it's not the same as intentionally having a moment together where you are focused with your attention on each other. And he he gives a good example of that, too. It's like when a father is sitting on the floor rolling a ball to his Mm -hmm. toddler, his attention is not focused on the ball, but on the child. But if he's... On the phone, talking while he's rolling the ball, his attention is, is not fully on the child. It's on the phone conversation and the child. It's looking at, at uh, you know, what what happens during this quality time mm-hmm. that you have together. So quality conversation is one of the aspects of quality time. It's uh, The author says, like, words of affirmation, the language of quality time also has many dialects. The most common dialect is that of quality conversation, which is, he defined, the author defines as a sympathetic dialogue where two individuals are sharing their experiences, thoughts, feelings, and desires in a friendly, uninterrupted context. Conversation is quite different than words of affirmation, which is mm-hmm. the first love language, because quality f- conversation has to focus on what we're hearing. Mm-hmm. So like I have to pay attention. <laughs> mm-hmm. I have to pay attention to what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I have to listen listen to what you're saying. The author goes on to state that a relationship calls for sympathetic listening with a view to understand the person's thoughts, feelings, and desires. Mm-hmm. Learning to listen may be difficult as a foreign as learning a foreign language, but learn we must if we want to communicate love.
1: So he has a couple tips here on how to listen. First one he talks about is maintaining eye contact with your spouse, when your spouse is talking. Mm -hmm. So not only looking, but listening and looking. Yes. Yep. Mm -hmm. So, so if you're standing in the kitchen and I'm living in the living room, this is not the same thing, even though I'm listening to you. Right. Yep. Mm -hmm. So close contact. Okay.
0: Eye contact.
1: Or yeah, that too. Okay. Um, Don't listen to your spouse and do something else at the same time. It's like we were talking about. Mm -hmm. We can be sitting in the same room and being on our computer and talking, Mm -hmm. but this is not the same thing. So it's intentional and we're paying attention to each other. Mm -hmm. Okay. Listen for feelings. Mm -hmm. Ooh, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if you're feeling sad or good or happy or whatever... Mm-hmm. Listen for that. Kind and of this stuff.
0: is one of the things where in your communication you need to use I statements. Instead of saying, you make me feel, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I feel like when <laughs> you have to
1: use. So, not a, I feel like this because of you. That's yes. probably not that's probably not, that's the, not helpful. That's not helpful. <laughs> that's yeah, not okay. Helpful. okay. Mm-hmm. Observe body language. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, if I'm sitting here with my legs crossed and my arms folded, all tensed up. And telling you how happy and relaxed I am, that's probably <laughs> not true.
0: It's probably a contradiction there, probably. right? Probably.
1: Even if I have a Hawaii shirt on. Yes. And it's so hard not to be in a good mood when a Hawaii shirt <laughs> so, with a Hawaii shirt on. So you say. And that's what I say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and refuse to interrupt. I thought that was interesting. Refuse to interrupt. So like if I'm in a five-minute tirade about something and you want to interrupt me, you can choose not to.
0: I can, but this isn't talking about tirades. This is talking about normal communication.
1: That's not a tirade? No. Oh, okay. No, no. I stand corrected. A
0: tirade involves some anger and... Oh, okay. (laughs) Things.
1: So not interrupt a normal conversation like I just did.
0: Right. (laughs) (laughs) The tirade's a topic for a different day,
1: but
0: some of us who like to be right all the time. I'm, I'm recovering from that, but I used to be that way. And what I learned over the years was that actually what I was doing was rather than listening to the person, I was waiting for the next opportunity for me to speak to get my point across. And I was thinking about how I was going to prove my point that I was right. So if you are one of those people, I would go to the Lord in prayer about that and ask him to help you deal with that. Because that's not productive in any kind of communication exchange, but especially not between you and your spouse. Mm -hmm. It's not helpful.
1: Well, I like the one thing he says here. This is interesting. Not all of us are out of touch with our emotions, but when it comes to talking, all of us are affected by our personality.
0: Right. And he has... An interesting take on personalities that I have never heard before. I've only ever seen it in his work. Dr. Chapman says that he has observed two basic personality types. He calls one the Dead Sea and the other the babbling brook. And so he's referencing the Dead Sea, which is in Israel. The Sea of Galilee flows south through the Jordan River into the Dead Sea, but the Dead Sea goes nowhere. Um, it receives, but it doesn't give it's stagnant water in there, and that's where we get all the salts and stuff very salty, like you can't drink it and it's you know it's not doesn't sustain life. and that's why they call it the Dead Sea. There's no life in it, but we get great basalts out of it. But anyway, what Dr. Chapman says is the Dead Sea goes nowhere. It receives, but it does not give. This personality type receives many experiences, emotions, and thoughts throughout the day. They have a large reservoir where they store that information, and they are perfectly happy not to talk. That's you. <laughs> I was
1: going to say, have you ever met anybody like this?
0: <laughs> yes, I have. I'm married to somebody mm-hmm. like this. Yes, I very much. When I read this, I thought, oh, this so mm-hmm. describes you Mm -hmm. mm-hmm and the other personality type definitely describes me so dr chapman says the other extreme is the babbling brook for this personality whatever enters into the eye gate or the ear gate (laughs) comes out the mouth gate and there are solemn 60 seconds between the two whatever they see whatever they hear they tell and he goes on to say that many times a dead sea marries a babbling brook and that's definitely (laughs) what happened in our case and he says it happens because when when we're dating, that it, that's actually an attractive uh, quality, because it like balance it seems to balance each other out. But five years after marriage, the babbling brook wakes up one morning and says, "I've been married to this guy for five years, and I don't know anything about him." And Meanwhile, the Dead Sea is saying, "I know, I know them too well. I wish they would stop talking." But Dr. Chapman says there is good news that we can. That the Dead Seas can learn to talk and the babbling brooks can learn to listen, and and he goes on to say we're influenced by our personality but not controlled by it. Mm-hmm. Lots of times people will use their personalities in as an excuse for things. Oh, that's just the way I am. That's an excuse. We have control over our behavior and we have control over our action and we actually have control over our thoughts. It's perfectly possible to learn new patterns. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that he suggests is to establish a daily sharing time in which each each person talks about three things that happened to you in the day and how it made you feel. I think that's interesting. It says mm-hmm. if you start with a daily minimum, in a few weeks or months, you may find quality conversation flowing more freely between you. So this is a good tip if you have problems communicating and one of you is a dead sea and one of you is a babbling brook. If both of you are babbling brooks, you just need to learn to take a breath. If both of you are Dead Seas, you need to do this where you do the three things. Mm -hmm. So, the author then goes on to talk about quality activities. So, these may include anything in which one or both of us have an interest. It's not what we're doing, but why we're doing it, because the purpose is to experience something together. And I think for you, one of the things that we do is you love to fish. Mm -hmm. And I tried to like to fish, I learned how to fish. Oh my word! The first time it was when we announced our engagement at a um, <laughs> at a family uh, reunion, mm-hmm. and so you took me fishing, and I caught this large bass, and it came out and it came out on the ground flopping around, and I stood there and cried because I thought it was suffering. Mm-hmm. That was not, not, not the best start. But then I actually learned how to fish. I learned how to bait my own hook. I learned how to do all that. But I'm one of those people that I need action. Like, I need stuff to be. Mm-hmm. If I'm doing something, I want stuff to be moving along.
1: Fishing is boring.
0: Fishing is boring mm-hmm. to me. And so we actually learned to compromise where I will go fishing with him. I will take a lawn chair and a book. And I will sit near him wherever he's fishing. And it's, I mean, it's kind of like we were saying, if we're we're sitting in the same room together, we're not necessarily interacting together. But this way, I could do something I liked. He could do Mm -hmm. something he liked. We were in the place together enjoying nature. And we would stop and talk about like, like you would point out, like a heron that was flying Mm -hmm. off or an eagle or hawk. Wayne's really good at spotting these birds of prey. And, you know, we would enjoy the time together, but we both get to participate in the activity in a way that we enjoyed it. Dr. Chapman goes on to say that by doing these experiences together, you build a memory bank. That you, and that's especially good to have a memory bank to draw on mm-hmm. when things are not going so well. It's, you know, and then lots of times you'll have funny stories about the different experiences that you shared together. And that, that deepens your relationship as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Like the cow story
0: the Cow story
1: driving down the road, <laughs> although our daughter was in on that one. I
0: was gonna say, we weren't trying to spend no, we weren't trying time. to spend we were just co- driving, but
1: it was a it's an interesting story, which I think we've told this I think story we before. Told this story yeah. about the
0: cow in the road, the cow in the road. Over
1: I didn't almost run yes, over. You did. No, I didn't. So, anyway, anyway if your spouse's love, language, and quality time, some suggestions that he makes are to. Take a walk together through the old neighborhood where one of you grew up. Ask questions about your spouse's childhood. Well, that'd be, that would be a little hard for me because I didn't exactly grow up in a neighborhood. Well, you we'd took me to, drives, though. We'd, we'd have to go for a drive. You, you've taken me yeah. on drives through the area well, I'm around, thinking around your walking. home yeah, yeah, walking wouldn't work. Driving works. Mm-hmm. So we'd, we've walked and driven around where you grew up.
0: Right.
1: Mm-hmm. Make a luncheon appointment with your spouse. Mm-hmm. Well, we've done that before. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, ask your spouse for a list of five activities that they would enjoy doing with you. Mm-hmm. We've done that. Yeah. Um, think of an activity your spouse enjoys, but which brings little pleasure to you. Well, we mm-hmm. kind of talked about well, we that Yeah, we talked too. about <laughs> that. Yeah, so that's
0: good. Okay. So then we move on to language, uh, love language number three, which is receiving gifts. The author goes on to say that a gift is something you can hold in your hand and say, look, he was thinking of me or she remembered me. You must be thinking of someone to give them a gift. The gift itself is a symbol of that thought. It doesn't matter whether it costs money. The importance is that you thought about it. And it says, goes on to say in the book that gifts come in all sizes, colors and shapes. Some are expensive and other are, are free To the individual whose primary love language is receiving gifts, the cost of the gift will matter little unless it's greatly out of line with what you can afford. If a millionaire gives only $1 gifts regularly, the spouse may question whether or not it's an expression of love. Mm -hmm. But when family finances are limited, a $1 gift may speak a $1 million worth of love. Gifts and money can affect you in different ways. So you might have to, the author says you might have to change your mindset around Mm -hmm. money or your attitude around money if one if your spouse's love language is gifts because if you're a spender you won't have any trouble getting gifts for your for your spouse but if you're a saver you might feel a little resistance Mm -hmm. to spending money as an expression of love sometimes I guess you have to look at it as an investment is Mm -hmm. it worth the money to make the investment in your spouse and I think you have to be reasonable I think one of the things you can think about is the free gifts, regardless of mm-hmm. what your financial status is and what you can afford. Like the things that you, you've done for me, and this isn't my primary love language. I think we all like a little bit of these mm-hmm. love languages. We just have one or two that are stronger than the other ones. But the first Christmas we were married, Wayne <laughs> took a toothpick and a piece of paper <laughs> and made a little pendant, like a little triangle flag. Put it on. Wrote "Merry Christmas, I love you." Put it on the toothbook and stuck the toothpick in the bristles of my toothbrush so that I found it when I went to brush my teeth. And you still do stuff like that. Like you left a sticky note for me and um, we're sitting at a at a desk in our office, and I had a a sketch pad open that I was jotting some things on, and he wrote me um, a little sticky note and left it on the sketch pad so I would see it. So think about things that way too. I mean, and that could go along with words of affirmation, I guess. But anyway, there's lots of different ways that you can do gifts. Dr. Chapman also goes on to say that the best gift is the gift of self. It's an intangible gift that sometimes speaks more loudly than a gift that could be held in one's hands. Uh, He calls it the gift of self or the gift of presence. Mm -hmm. Being there when your spouse needs you speaks loudly to the one whose primary love language is receiving
1: Yes. And sometimes you don't even have to say anything. It's just a matter, I think it's just a matter of being there, being present with your spouse. Right. Even if you don't say anything. Yeah.
0: And in the book, Dr. Chapman goes on to, he goes on to describe a couple Hmm. where the wife was hanging on to a situation. She thought her husband loved softball more than, than her because of two incidents that happened like 15 years ago. And she was still hanging on to these, but the husband just didn't realize how his actions Even though he thought he had done everything he could do, he didn't realize that him being absent from two very critical situations in their lives for just even a little while affected his wife and then she felt unloved. So if if your spouse's love language is gifts, you need to pay attention to especially this gift of your presence. It, the Dr. Chapman says in the book, physical presence in the time of crisis is the most powerful gift you can give if your spouse's primary love language is receiving gifts. If the physical presence of your spouse is important to you, I urge you to verbalize that to your mm-hmm. spouse. Don't expect him, her, or her to read your mind. If, on the other hand, your spouse says to you, I really want you to be there with me tonight, tomorrow, this afternoon, take the request seriously. Yep. That's something to do, I think. Sometimes we expect our spouses to be mind readers. Wayne and I joke about it we're a not, lot. You we're know, we're readers. like, you know, you're not you're not focusing on what I'm thinking. You're not reading my mind. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a it's a joke, but it's like you have to say what you want if your spouse you can't expect your spouse to just pick up on it, especially if you're the wife And the husband is the guy. It's just the way it is. We
1: think different. Yes, it's just the way it is. We think different.
0: Yep. And so I think there were just, there were some um, suggestions
1: here. There are. So a couple of suggestions he has here. If your spouse's love language is receiving gifts, try a parade of gifts. Lead a box of candy for your spouse in the morning. Uh, Yogurt, candy, if health is an issue. Um, have flowers delivered in the afternoon? of course, unless your spouse is allergic to flowers. that would not
0: be good?
1: Uh, give them a shirt in the evening. Well, I can I can yeah, you would I like can, a Hawaii. Yeah shirt. Ooh, well well, I didn't want to bring the word Hawaii into it, but <laughs> since you did, <laughs> make a gift for your spouse. and the last one is give your spouse a gift every day. Ooh, give your gift Give, give your gift to spouse. Give your spouse a gift every day for one week. I like
0: that. You know, that's what our nephew-in-law does the 12 days of Christmas Mm -hmm. for our niece. So she gets a gift (laughs) on Christmas, but then she gets a gift every day for 11 Mm -hmm. days afterwards. And she looks forward to that every year. So there may be a time around your anniversary or valentine's Mm -hmm. day or birthday or whatever that you can string out the gift giving a little Mm -hmm. bit or just for no reason at all all right well this got us through love languages number two and number three we'll be we'll be finishing up with four and five next week so until then we pray that your marriage will be richly blessed
1: god bless bye now
0: bye